Welcome to Opening Presence, the podcast about creative self-realization. My name is Aaron Robinson. Thank you so much for joining me. In today's episode, I sit down with Rob Lewis. He's a creative director, graphic designer, visionary, and the host of Stellar Regions on KMHD Portland. In this conversation, we discuss Rob's earliest musical influences being a child of remix culture, and we also dive into the process of intentionally programming our inputs through curating our environment to foster personal growth, inspiration, and creativity. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to share it with a friend. Now, without further ado, welcome to Opening Presence. Well, it's about just using the tools that we have. Yeah. Like, that's the thing that is a huge mental block to a lot of creatives, like, in general, is hyper-analyzing the tools and wanting them to be exactly like the other person that achieves success. Have you ever experienced that? Uh, I mean, yeah, all the time. <laughs> I, do, I do it to myself all the time. Um, but... I don't know. I'm trying to make it less of a like a, a judgment and more of a it's like a it's like a signal. It's like you know what you're trying to get to, you know what I mean? And it's whether you're getting to it now or later, it's totally fine. So I'm trying to be better about that. Sure. It's like it's not something that it's not always something that you have to have completely together in the moment as long as you know where you're trying to get to yeah i think what i struggle with in that space of like averting attention from the project and hyper analyzing the equipment or like the image of or the angle of it is that there's like this associated tension that is either anxiety or anger or it just like it's a visceral feeling like I can't start this thing unless like the conditions are perfect. And that's just something that I'm like, yo, how do I get past that part? And it's literally just like a yes, like just go do the thing and, and stop hanging on like the outskirts, wishing that it was going to be uh, something other than what you are. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, Let's uh. Let's switch gears for a second. What are, what are you, what are you listening to? (laughs) Okay. What am I listening to? So I just showed you, uh, (laughs) jet the third. Yeah. Uh, who I just discovered like a day ago, they were on my liked. And then I was like, Oh, you know what? Like I'm going to dive in. And you know, when, somebody matches the energy that you've been projecting over the last number of like weeks or months or just can encapsulate the vibe or energy that you're in and it just matches i was that's the experience that i had like uh jet the third just dropped an album called or an ep called r and r um i think r and r stands for rare and ready Nice. Yeah. That was their their, uh, album that they dropped in uh, 2021. And then they just released a new one uh, called R&R 2, Rare and Ready 2, 
and it's like they're both of them are like three four song like eps and i've just been banging that at the gym i just sent it to like you know it's good when you send it to like seven people unprovoked at seven o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. like everyone's like on my like people haven't even responded to it yet <laughs> like i'm so geeked on it and i'm just like i don't care if you respond but it's like you'll understand it like once you once you listen to it totally yeah, yeah what what did you think of the song that i just showed you it was great yeah i i really like it i'm i'm into uh like I've been really into, uh, like yesterday I listened to the Conway album, um, God Don't Make Mistakes. And, you know, that energy is is great. That's like the rap I grew up on. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, what you played me, it reminds me to always um, be looking to what's happening now and what's happening next in the future. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it can be really easy to get stuck in because there's so much like you know conway's part of the griselda crew there's i mean there he's got way more people on that label that are making amazing work and um so it's easy to to fall into that pocket and really be comfortable and listen to that all the time (laughs) but uh but yeah i i try to i try to always um ask folks what they're into like for me inputs are the most important thing as Mm -hmm. far as the creative process like um and the more uh, divor- div- diverse your sources of input are, mm-hmm. um, the better, I feel like the better you feel yeah. as a maker. Or at least for me, that's how it works. Yeah, I think in that sense, it's hard for me to, I don't want to say it's difficult to like ask for those alternative inputs. But when they happen, it's like, yo, like, I could have found this sooner, but I feel like the, there's so many of like the algorithms that are like out there. It's like Spotify is just showing me everything that's in proximity to future and Travis Scott. But right. this album that I just shared with you, it's like, that's in proximity, but it's like a subgenre yeah. of the tree that those two fall under. Right. So it's like way at the bottom. Like this person has like 2000, listens on the songs that i showed you and i'm like yo like this is like my favorite song right now and there's like like a thousand people that that like it or that have heard it and it's like oh damn like so where like where are we sourcing uh the new information because it's like relying on an apple music or a spotify to give us the music is highly unreliable because i'm i'm looking for new inputs now as i'm embodying like a new trajectory, a new energy, and I need to be matched because it's like the my gym playlist from two years ago. That was a that it helped me and it was great at a time, but I'm like I'm not on that level anymore. So where can I cultivate and curate these new landscapes to to fully expand on? And it's like it's it's like building a road while you're still driving on it. Absolutely, yeah, and. Uh, to your point, I think it's really important to, uh, I don't know, come back into the physical world for those things, because mm-hmm. um, it can be very easy to rely on the algorithms and stuff like that, especially when through our daily activity, we've sort of trained it. Um, but you got to, I don't know, you have to shock your system in that way. Yeah, it's it's so freaking easy to just give up and just allow us to be steered and 
any direction. Like literally, I I was having this conversation about like, like, are we deciding the things that we're taking in and ingesting, whether that's information or food or whatever the case may be. But I posted uh, a clip from an old podcast that I released last week or this week, actually. And I was just talking about uh, with Dylan Santos Green, long last name, <laughs> but <laughs> just talking about like watching the news and then they bring up Afghanistan and it's like, were you interested about what was going on in Af- Afghanistan before they decided for you that this is what you should be thinking about in this particular moment? Mm. And is it news or is it like diverting attention? Like, And then I posted that two days ago and then this morning I'm on the treadmill at the gym at 7 a.m., Friday morning in Portland, Oregon, and they say the Taliban refuses uh, girls to go to school. And I was like, okay, so a terrorist organization halfway across the world isn't following through with their promise. Oh, yeah. So that's what we should be thinking about right now. It's like, it's not like how we've let down the children, the women, the girls of this like nation, and, and how do you garner attention for the things that we can directly affect right now Mm. you think the taliban is going to be listening to jessica smith from portland oregon calling in on a like where is there a through line to active change like there's nothing and it's like people are waking up millions of people are waking up in the morning oh the taliban's not oh they should let them the girls go to school and it's like well like the school down the street doesn't have a lunch program and mm-hmm. there's no news coverage on that. So, like, stepping back and realizing it's like, all right, well, the inputs that we get are not curated. And we have a lot of power in deciding, like, yo, I'm not going to take that in. I'm going to go over here and get more nutritious information. Yep. Absolutely. Having that uh, awareness to really um, narrow or in the sense of, I guess as far as like news goes, I, I only, you know, check one of a few, you know, a few sources um, and understanding that a lot of places that sort of claim to give you news, you know, aren't really. Um, and, you know, it's sort of up to for everyone to decide what what their sort of threshold is. But um, I found that when it depending on the type of information um that you're trying to uh collect um i guess it's really important to consider um how widening up your inputs can actually like hinder that you know what mm. i mean uh but if it's things you know that you're looking for to sort of enrich your practice then that's like sort of you can open up the floodgates you mm-hmm. know or were some of the, like your earliest inputs that you kind of like lean towards to give you inspiration or direction? Um, books for sure. That's for me. That's always been the thing. Um, because it's not just about having the book and looking through it. It's how did you find it? Where are you going to get it? The process of making your way to the place where you think it is. Um, and then that journey, you know, and then back to your home or studio, wherever you're going to keep it, um, that whole journey for me is, 
is important and I I like it because it when you're doing that you're you're focused in the present moment you know mm-hmm. what I mean as opposed to like uh I remember one time I bought a book online and then literally the next day bought another copy because I forgot I bought it mm. and so I had to give it to a friend of mine which is great I love giving books to friends but that sort of mindlessness uh, it doesn't happen when you physically had to get up, take your ass outside in the cold, mm-hmm. go to the bookstore, f- you know, walk all the way up to the top floor and find the thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You remember that. Yeah. What are some of the most impactful books on your life? Man, uh, thus far, I mean, that's hard. Um, <laughs> that's a really difficult question for me. Um, or just the short list. <laughs> uh I would definitely have to say, and I can't, rem- I can't remember the name of this one, but there was an, an anthology of um, black arts movement era poetry that I found randomly in a classroom when I was in high school. And um, it just like switched my mind on in a way that was like, whoa, like people were writing like this mm. in the 60s. You know what I mean? It was crazy. Um, it just gave me so much pride in the craft that, uh, you know, black people had achieved in the written word. Um, and it definitely, uh, you know, cause I started out as a writer, you know, and it definitely was something that I always thought of, um, even as I discovered new poems and new poets and new music and stuff like that. But, uh, and then maybe another book, um, Adrienne Marie Brown wrote a book called Pleasure Activism. Um, and I recently read that one. And that was incredible because it turned me on to a, a lineage of specifically uh, black femme intellectuals and uh, movement builders uh, that I was, you know, not really privy to before reading it. Um, people that Joy is like, oh yeah, like my idol. Um, People that she's known about for a long time. But, uh, and then also it just sort of gave me permission to, I don't know, feel all the feelings I have, even the messy ones. Uh, Permission to seek things out that uh, make me feel good and whole. Mm. Um, Seek things out that heal my spirit. yeah and for someone who's really introverted who um i don't know who's really hard on themselves that was really liberating for me Mm -hmm. yeah allowing ourselves to express and feel and be and feel safe while we're doing it Mm -hmm. and it's like and most of the time it's not even like crazy stuff it's just like no it's normal as hell yeah allowing yourself to get a massage yeah because you're 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 worthy Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's like oh like it costs this much money it's like no go get your ass a massage Mm -hmm. like simple simple things take a nap yeah take a nap take a fucking nap Mm -hmm. you can do it Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah when we advocate for ourselves it's like now we're ser- like now we can serve like in a f- fuller capacity because I I feel like at least growing up for me there's like uh, a learned behavior of like being a martyr like everything that I do is like it's for everybody else and I 
like everybody else gets a slice of the pizza, but I'm going to stay hungry because I want to make sure that everyone's safe and full and satiated. Mm. And it's like, yo, like removing yourself from the equation doesn't, uh, I don't know. There's no, there's no pride in that. Like there's like, like, and if you're around people that like see it and that allow it as well and can't recognize that like, Hey, you didn't get a slice of pizza. Mm. And they're just gonna take. It's like, hey, uh, you ha- you're surrounded by enablers, and they're gonna keep coming back to the watering hole for for their cup of milk and and tea and cookies mm-hmm. and stuff. And they're <laughs> and it's a very vicious cycle without awareness. And and whenever we find uh, become aware of the situ- situation or scenario, it's like that's where like empowerment and an opportunity to to shift things. Yep, exactly. So where did you grow up? Um, Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, Bengals yeah. fan? Um, Who day? I mean, yes, because living in Cincinnati, but I was always way more into basketball and baseball growing up. Mm-hmm. So, um, but my mom is from Chicago and my dad's from St. Louis. So we were, uh, or at least I was a big Bulls fan growing up. Uh, obviously Michael Jordan, um, and then UC Bearcats. So there was, there was a, I grew up in a really cool time in basketball culture. Mm-hmm. Um, it was sort of the time where it began to really um, merge with hip hop on a large scale. Um, so that was like, that was, I think, I think that was a really cool time to grow up. Most definitely. That's like, just like the template for create, like for just culture. Mm-hmm. That's like, that's like that fusion mm-hmm. is the template that everyone's just riding on for forever essentially and at least in western society it's Mm -hmm. like all right like you have to love jordans and you have to have a top five rappers list Mm -hmm. and it's like i'm like i'm grateful that like we have that but it's like there's so much more speaking about inputs and outputs i'm like yo like hey uh public service announcement i've never owned a pair of jordans Mm -hmm. And I'm good. Yeah. Like, I'm good. Totally. <laughs> like, like, when everybody's on the same thing, I'm just like, all right, I want to do the opposite thing. And I want to find this other, like, obscure corner to exist in. And I'll still dabble and stuff. But uh, realizing I'm, I'm, like, not a historian on certain things. Like, mm-hmm. when, when you're in, like, these certain rooms and with certain groups of people who have achieved a lot of things and are uh, trendsetters and, and set the tempo for the culture... It's like there's things that you gotta know, like you have to know, like, like I couldn't like off the top of my head, and I might I might be like <laughs> removing myself from certain circles, but it's just like I can't I can't recite like like a bunch like Biggie songs and and Pac songs oh, and yeah. stuff, and I'm just like I don't know the words to all these songs. I can't I can't name you these specific things that everybody knows. Yeah. Like I'm. Like I, I cultivated my, the things that I, I've invested time in the things that resonated with me, not to say that those things didn't, mm-hmm. but like that left an impact, like adjacent. Totally. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can be into the fact that there is a shared cultural memory, but acting as if it means that you're sort of another or another person's contribution or you know, constellation of influences is somehow inferior because they did not buy into it the same way that you did is mm. crazy and it's harmful. Um, 
and it's not something that we should really look to do. It's it's one thing to be like, whoa, you never heard of that? That's crazy. Here, let me show you. Mm-hmm. But to be like, I can't believe you never heard of this. What's wrong with you? That's yeah. like, it doesn't need to go there. Yeah. Get out of the barbershop chair. <laughs> right. yeah. Like with a half haircut, what am I going to do with this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like Arthur Ashe can be this. Like if you're geeked about Arthur Ashe as as everybody else is geeked about Michael Jordan. Yeah. It's like, I'd much rather be on the Arthur Ashe side because it's like, I think passion and, and I don't want to say like borderline obsession, but just like like caring deeply about something is is amazing. Like yeah. I love when I when I meet passionate people because it's like we're m- removing the roadblocks to, uh, I guess ourselves in a sense. It's like, hey, I'm allowing myself to be fully invested uh, with something. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because it's it comes from when you're being true to yourself. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the outside of sports and hip hop? What were some of like the early like, yo, this is my thing? Hmm. Um, I would say definitely, definitely jazz. And I think I was just always interested in the aesthetic quality of things. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So whether it was a pair of sneakers and it wasn't always Jordans, but whether it was a pair of sneakers or uh, the logo of a company or the way a room looked or smelled when I walked in or the way a building looked or the way a car looked or, you know what I mean? The way, uh, this video game was, um, I I was just always sort of tuned in to that aspect of it. Even when I didn't have language for it. Yeah. I just, I remember being, uh, you know, understanding or not understanding but just realizing that like oh i'm interested in this thing for this reason you Mm -hmm. know what i mean um and yeah i i think that was the earliest thing is just understanding that oh i am really into how things look or feel or um that sort of sensorial connection Mm -hmm. yeah i that's amazing and i'm like pondering it's like how do you articulate something that is oftentimes unspoken Mm -hmm. when it's a feeling and the elements that were used to create it in the artist or artists it's like there's this concept of like time where it's like okay it's like they could have they could have done this really quickly or they could have taken a very long time but it doesn't matter how long the time takes Mm -hmm. like as long as like they arrived at this place Mm -hmm. and the journey to arrive at a place that has these qualities spoken or unspoken is like magic like that's the magic of like human creation exactly and, and like like knowing and i think that goes back to like the journey walking to get that book because mm-hmm. all of it goes into the process and and we arrive at a place where it's like all right this is my intention this is like my love this is my life being infused into this object or space mm-hmm. to cultivate and curate an experience for somebody else that's pretty selfless mm-hmm. um yeah well yeah i think the that idea of um and you know you understand this as as a person who spends a lot of time in creative spaces of your own making and of other people's um when we're making these spaces for ourselves when we're putting objects in there for ourselves it's 
it is it's almost like a cumulative magic you know what i mean it's like i'm constantly you know ridding myself of things in this space if i don't need them anymore mm. you know what i mean and i'm very choosy about what i bring in as far as like inputs like the books on the shelf are there for a reason the tools that i have under the table are there for a reason the reason i have a separate stack of books there is yeah i think i think that intention and building an environment around you that can um support and nurture that um even when you're just sitting mm -hmm. um i think is really important and wanting to extend that to another person uh I think that is what makes being in community with artists like such a privilege. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. Yeah. I, I, th I think like that is the art, like, mm -hmm. like cultivating your own space and, and deciding and discerning like, Oh, this is, this resonates right now. This song speaks to me right now. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It's just the, like the funnest like canvas like i'm just like oh like i get to like wear these clothes and this is how i want to present myself today this is how uh i'm going to show up to this interaction today like there's so much we're create we're constantly creating and that stepping into that mindset where it's like you like when people think about artists it's like oh yeah it's just like if i have a canvas in front of me and i'm painting it's like no like every step you take like every move you make every decision you make mm -hmm. is art in the way that you respond to certain inputs and in the way that you express yourself, it, it's all art and we're creating at every single point. And like, once I, uh, kind of like embrace like that concept of that, like living is, is artful. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the hyper focus on what the end result is on a project kind of just goes away because yeah. it just becomes a part of you at some point. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it just becomes something that you tried and, you know, if it if it worked, you go, OK, what worked? If it didn't, OK, what didn't work? OK, I won't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the con <laughs> like it's just the constant measuring. It, I don't know. It's just fun. Mm -hmm. It's just like like the like when we remove like the this fake false falsified like pressure, like there's judge, jury and executioner like standing behind us on every single thing and it's just like no like you created that person or that like there's no punishment yeah like i was looking at an r.i.p virgil jesus mm. um but like he's yeah. somebody who's inspired me so so much and i'm like looking at clips all the time of just like him just saying like you like like that like punishment like that doesn't even exist mm -hmm. like we're creating that ourselves yeah. like you have to start now and like i'll always like jump back and check into the things that he was saying. Cause he was like a living Testament to taking off the restrictor plates and like making some art of those restrictor plates mm -hmm. and like repurposing it and like putting it up on a wall and charging $10,000 for it. Like yeah. my old restrictor plates <laughs> are hype now. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's so like clever, but it's so like grounded. Like I love the idea of like something that you didn't really find vi valuable but then a shift within you changes like where it's like your perception of said useless object changes and you find appreciation for it in a new place for it mm -hmm. where it doesn't have to uh, embody 
the the same uh, disempowered or uncool thing. It's like, oh, like let's repurpose this to mean this now. And it's like, oh, I can do this with all the components of living. Yep. So what was growing up like in Cincinnati? Um it was it was fun. It was pretty, you know, uneventful for the most part. I mean, uh I was lucky enough to have parents that provided a really stable household for me and my my siblings. Um my brother and sister are, are younger than me and they're they're twins. Um so it was us three and uh yeah, they we didn't really have to worry about much. Um they expected a lot of us because of that and I get that now. Um you know, cuz it's like you don't have to worry about the stuff that we did. There's no reason for you not to study. There's no reason for you not to be great at this thing. Um you know, and it's something that you have to grow up to understand. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I, I really appreciate them for that, because I think without that sort of space to be able to have quiet and be like, oh, actually, I really like this. You know what I mean? You know, the space to feel comfortable to be like a 16 year old person and come to your parents and be like, I want Bitches Brew for Christmas by Miles Davis. And they're like, what? <laughs> uh, and they got it for me, you know? Um, so to have those interests nurtured, you know what I mean? Like when I, I remember being 14 years old and discovering Jay Dilla and listening to Slum Village for the first time. And that awakened, uh, you know, a thing, you know, what I mean? it was crazy. I, I felt like this person was making sounds that, you know, they valued the contributions of jazz musicians and soul musicians and funk musicians, but were also so authentically Detroit hip hop into their core. Um, and they merged these things together in a way you're talking about, um, you know, pulling things out rearranging them reconfiguring them and putting that on the wall that's like exactly what he was doing um and uh being able to you know tell my mom like oh like i'm listening to this dude jay dill is crazy you know what i mean my mom being a person who you know she has a a youthful spirit she was always like cool you know what i mean like I, i'm just gonna stay here and listen to my funk but i'm glad that you're into something that that feels uh positive and like creatively stimulating for you you know what I mean I always got that energy from her that's beautiful how did you feel or what was the journey to like start applying like your art into the world and put it out there like that's kind of like a a launching off point for a lot of people because we hold ourselves back for so long myself included where it's like oh it's not ready it's not this it's not that mm -hmm. i guess like describe what that journey was like to be like you know what like i'm here and i'm going to start putting things out yeah um yeah i that's interesting because it sort of goes back to you know my parents encouraged me to have you know a lot of different interests and and to uh really pursue them to the point of them becoming passions um but i think when it came to decide what I wanted to do with my life professionally I think they sort of looked at that stuff as kind of hobbyish you know what I mean um and I didn't have any 
evidenced otherwise. You know what I mean? I didn't know that there were people doing things called, you know, lifestyle marketing or whatever um, back then, even though they were. Uh, I didn't I didn't have the language to be like, I want to be a creative director. You know what I mean? Um, so I sort of went through the process of doing things in a really traditional way. Like I, I studied history in school. Um, I applied to law school after that and got in and, and then immediately started to self-destruct because um, I just wasn't supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it got to a point where, you know, I was like, well, I am not going to graduate, so uh, I have to figure something else out. And in that moment of having nothing else to lose, I was like, you know what? I'm going to see what it's like to put all my energy and intention into being a creative person. And that sort of led me to, you know, a first internship, which led to a first job, which then led to the space to be able to um, actually sit and collect my thoughts and be like, okay, all these years that I have not been making work or really indulging, um, um, indulging these inputs in the, in the way that I would have wanted, uh, what does that look like for me now? Um, and so once I sort of got that process started and, um, you know, I, I was lucky to meet a lot of people here in Portland early on that they saw that and they encouraged it and they um, pointed me in directions that I would not have found without them. So um, it's, that's the other thing is that it's not, it's not something that you just do on your own. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. That's awesome. Yeah. It's definitely not. I like, I just uh, put out like a flyer and I designed it and, for like a meditation thing and I, I like I looked at it and I'm like this is a culmination of all my friends right mm-hmm. now I'm like this is exactly like I've been in the practice I've been doing more graphic design over the last like two years than I've ever done in my life because mm-hmm. I'm doing covers and stuff for the podcast and and then it's like like the design aesthetic of like people that I hold in very high regard was reflected in my work and mm-hmm. it's like like it is my work, mm-hmm. but it is influenced by the ones that are around me. And um, I think that extreme ownership that we think that we have over our, our work, it's like, nah, it's, it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's a group effort every single yeah. time. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm a, I, I'm a child of sample culture. So for me, uh, taking things in your orbit and deconstructing them and rearranging them that's always going to be core to my process most definitely and that points directly towards your collage work Mm -hmm. because that's like how i came aware became aware of your work in general was was through instagram and seeing like the energy that you're able to put into a 1080 by 1080 (laughs) square i'm like yo this shit is crazy (laughs) like amazing amazing work and thank you and could you kind of just go in on like how you came about finding the place to express yourself in that way? Yeah. Um, so, you know, when I, like I said, when I first moved here, that was, uh, you know, the first time in my adult life that I gotten to really sit down and take stock of the things that interest me and, um, and also explore a lot of things that I didn't even know were there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 
so one two my first two art books that I bought um were they were Gordon Parks um Half Past Autumn and then uh a Romare Bearden anthology and so the Gordon Parks book gave me um you know he's a photographic master right so in a filmmaker and so what his in- images gave me were you know wow you know there's a person doing um making images like this that were so emotive and so evocative and but at the same time so elegant um i mean he was a technician when it comes to color black and white uh you know he in his later career he was doing um more kind of abstract macro images um so yeah he's uh, just a a north star um as far as how to and especially constructing images where black people are the subject um it, the way he did it the way he imbued every image with so much uh dignity and power um, or a vulnerability and softness. He captured the wide range of our experience visually and not just the wildly successful and glamorous, but the gangsters, the poor people, the sex workers, um, children, you know what I mean? Uh, everyone. And c- captured them where they were without making you feel sorry for them without making you feel uh like you should pity them it was no these are these are just people we need to know that they exist as well you know what i mean um and then romer bearden you know uh a masterful the masterful collage artist of the 20th century i mean in my opinion but uh his work had such a rhythm to it i was thunderstruck by it and um you know i i knew that you know it's like he's already made this work you know what i mean so it's not my it's not my job to try and emulate it exactly um so i think the key came for me was when i started really getting into like um zines and diy print and um punk posters and uh you know rap flyers and you know t-shirts and stuff like that when i started to merge um that sort of sensibility with with the sampling of of imagery like i have a bunch of old ebony magazines that i use and and i i try to pull images that i don't know resonate me from a cultural memory perspective and so yeah it's just been my sort of journey of trying to put those things that maybe feel disparate but i guess when it's when it's viewed through the lens of of our individual experiences that's what that's the point it's like yeah maybe they are disparate but because of your uh particular perspective um they come into focus as things that are related Mm -hmm. most definitely yeah, there's so much energy in each one of those. And, like, do you have, like, a understanding or, like, a broader understanding of, like, what that specific medium for you is communicating? Yeah, definitely. So, um, I, there's, I have a book 
um, that talks a bit about um, like black American collage artists specifically, um, like more contemporary ones. But there's this passage where they talk about the fact that um, in reconstruction era time, uh, black people in the South would um, collage newspaper and magazines on their walls. Um, and those cut up images and, and uh, texts that, you know, didn't go together that were creating all this sort of dazzling sort of pattern and repetition. It was intended to keep bad energy and bad spirits out of the home because the thought was if they couldn't decipher the message on the wall, then they were not allowed entry. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, and so that really changed my whole artistic practice, yeah. um, that context. And it was like, wow, is there energy in me that recognizes this gesture that made it, that made me cling to it so hard? You know what I mean? Uh, and really make it the foundation of the way I make. Mm -hmm. um, was there something more there than just like, oh, I happen to, you know, be drawn to this book of this artist whose work is mainly collage. Is is there something deeper there? There's always something deeper. Yeah. Like that's the, I think that's as I'm maturing is like, oh, there's always something deeper. Like, yeah. And I'm a huge fan of your work. Like your work is like beyond and you have drawings and like work with clothing and, and all that prints and design and all like the whole nine and your perspective is always like considered and expressed, even though like you're reserved, like in person and stuff, but like your work, like makes room it's like it, yeah. it's the elephant in the room like it's it takes up space it moves <laughs> around it's like it's Debo yeah yeah <laughs> energetically I, yeah I, yeah I feel like that's where I put that part of myself is yeah to that, you know? <laughs> it's felt for sure yeah because you know I like I dress in all black mostly <laughs> so all that color all that energy all that life I think it goes into the work yeah powerful yeah as far as like the there's always some like an undercurrent going so weird. Like I go to bed with like my little like Fitbit watch and over, I've been on a very consistent schedule and like I do my morning meditations and stuff, but it's weird. Cause it's like my awareness, like I will wake up and then a second later, my alarm will go off. So it's like, what is this awareness, this higher self awareness that like, it's like, I mm. jumped the alarm. Mm. right before it starts mm -hmm. and it's like i'll be in meditation 30 minutes and it's 29 minutes and 59 seconds and i just have like this sudden like punch of of juice i was like and then it's like it goes off right away i'm mm -hmm. like what the hell is this this overmind yeah that is constant at all times and is uh guiding us and watching over us whether that's a great spirit but we are connected to that essence at all times. Yeah. And society places things that restrict access to that overmind of higher self and, and consciousness. And like this, this world is so like layered with so many like different energies and dimensions. And we're swayed by the things that we see and the things that we eat and stuff. But when we like remove ourselves 
out of out of the picture it seems like a higher power can't has the power to like guide us and i think that's something that i experience like when i engage with your artwork is that there's something uh untangible but ever present that is being communicated whether whether that it's the actual word that says karma eternal on your mm-hmm. wall mm-hmm. like whether it's the actual word or the shape or like the context that it's in yeah there's always another conversation that's going on that's like speaking directly to soul yeah well that that's funny you mentioned that one because you know we were talking about sample culture earlier like karma uh is actually a, a record by um it's either Yusef Latif or Pharaoh Sanders uh I, I always get them confused with that one but um and then the eternal comes from uh this Don Cherry uh poster uh both like heavy influence for me as far as like spiritual jazz mm-hmm. um and it was I was just testing out this this little tabletop uh cutter thing that I have um cutting out paper letters but uh yeah that's it but to your point the words can be read independently um but if you also have that sort of like deep jazz knowledge you might recognize it you know what i mean but there's also room for if you don't recognize it in that context for you just to notice like oh uh i wonder why that lettering is the way it is he could have just done it in helvetica you know Mm -hmm. what i mean Mm -hmm. most definitely yeah it's all the choices and it's like where do they come from Mm -hmm. (laughs) we've been circling around input output this whole time totally (laughs) like (laughs) for me that's it yeah yeah, it's it's very interesting that like you showed me like some of the research that you were doing for like a recent art piece that you did and just to like see that there's like a through line because mm-hmm. I think a lot of the times with people that that maybe aren't so like privy into like the art space or whatnot, it seems like it just comes out of nowhere. But like to see like your way of going about it and like how it's rooted to an actual anchor, mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's anchored by by an experience that either someone else had or that you had or both of you had or mm-hmm. you synthesizing someone else's experience is wild like i like when i experience like creating art like it's very like spontaneous yeah I, I just get a rush of energy in the moment and yeah my art is expressed through conversation my art is expressed through uh painting or or whatever the medium is it's always just like all right like how can i just be present right now and be okay with whatever comes afterwards because i already know i trust i have so much more trust than i used to have Mm -hmm. in like what the final outcome will be yeah like yeah it's and it's yeah it's all just like this cosmic collaboration at all times uh yeah i really i really dig the work that you're doing um with your paintings i I wanted to ask you early have you ever heard of umar rashid Mm -mm. um you should you should look up his work uh it's it's different than yours, but uh, the energy and the, your use of color and the way you um, create so much um, dynamism with like flat color fields, mm-hmm. uh, it reminds me a lot of his work. And uh, his work has like kind of a almost kind of comic nature to it, as far as it as far as the way that he draws figures and stuff like that. But it's really cool. I think you're going to like it a lot. Nice. I'll yeah. definitely, definitely check that out. Yeah. What are you inspired to create 
the world is in like a very uh, unique place. Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it's good or bad. Um, but what do you feel like the role of your art is in this landscape of mm-hmm. so many inputs and outputs? Well, uh, recently I started um, doing a radio show with a KMHD all about the exploration uh, and appreciation of of the spiritual energy in jazz music. Mm. And uh, the program director for the station, you know, he said this to me early on when, you know, he's asking me to come up with what's called a program philosophy for the show. And, you know, he was like, this music specifically that you're exploring, you know, it can really um, be something that uh, helps people in this time. And like, and just lifts people's moods or soothes something in them that's giving them trouble. And not to say that, you know, a song can like fix someone's problems. I'm not saying that, but just in the moment, if they happen to catch the show and they get a bit of that vibrational energy that comes from music, maybe that in some small way, uh, it can help them in, in that moment or uh, lift their day in that moment. And I hope that's the case, uh, but if not, I at least hope I can be a source for folks to um, explore the music on their own mm-hmm. and find and find that stuff that does do that for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that intention is ever present because you just express that mm-hmm. intention, and it's like it's an it's an option in like the field of infinite possibilities. With that being the intention that is expressed, it's mm-hmm. more than likely that that is what is going to happen because it's been presented as an object or as an option. Mm-hmm. I'm coming into that, like looking at like this these landscapes and just like realizing that like we're like every single person has like a role in creating like I'm not even gonna say like utopia, but a better world. Everyone has a role and and there's like accountability and there's like we're all just tuning forks mm-hmm. as my energy rises and I'm just like, Oh, like this feels more like me than the depressed Aaron at 23, like drinking Pinot Grigio and taking Ambien every single night mm. and sleepwalking. Mm. Like there was a version that I thought was authentic to me, but I didn't, I wasn't close to, to it at all like it was just like what is around me let me mimic these college kids Mm. and like just not happy and the more I became aware of like the habits that were more destructive for me and deciding like oh I can wake up earlier I can meditate I can do these things that are pro living and pro expansion and then stepping into a newer vibration where it's like way more aligned with me. It's like like borderline toxic positivity in some senses, like to some people, to yeah. somebody that doesn't know what my intention is. Mm. I, I'm willing to be interpreted falsely because mm. that's like that's what y'all conclusion that you got up to. But it's like the way that I feel, it feels very authentic to me. Right. Yeah. Well, exactly. It's just like we're not able to dictate how someone receives our information they don't have any power to dictate our intention in our Mm -hmm. uh sharing of it you know no no and it's just like what gives me joy is just like the opportunity to like try again Mm -hmm. and to start over Mm -hmm. and to recontemplate and to reflect and to project and to be still and everything in between and 
in service to like higher knowledge and alignment and peace mm-hmm. and happiness. It's like, like what else are we here to do than to like create things that, that bring alignment and a sense of connection and understanding with one another. Yeah. I think we're on that, on that path for sure. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our beautiful listeners? <laughs> uh, so my, my show's on at uh, 9 p.m. Mondays. It's called Stellar Regions. Uh, I did not say that before. But uh, <laughs> other than that, um, I would just say be patient with yourself. Give yourself grace um, as much as you can. And if you can't, then okay. You know what I mean? It's not the end of the world. Uh but like you said, it's about having the opportunity to try it again. So, um, you know, it's okay if you don't have the most patience with yourself today. It took me a long time to have patience with myself and to allow myself the space to say the wrong thing or be interpreted wrong or do the wrong thing or, um, but not immediately after, uh, say, and look, and see, this is why you don't deserve nothing now. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, st- cutting that cycle with myself uh, has been really, really key for me, I think. And I think a reason why, um, I think a reason why things are starting to fall into place. Most definitely. I'm super glad to hear that from you too. It's a beautiful thing. And Thank you so much for spending this time with me and, and letting people get an inside look as to what you're about because you're an enigma out here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I don't try to be. I know you don't. You don't have to try to be. Yeah. But it's just like, where it's like, what's Rob? What's going on over there? <laughs> oh, yeah. I also have another question. Yeah. What is it like to have Beyonce say that she likes your work and then give her a high five? Mm. Uh. Yeah, I don't. It was like looking at myself from outside myself. Uh huh. Out of body uh, experience. Yeah, it was. Um, and then after it was like, okay, uh, so we have to change the relationship to your work and yourself that you have. You know what I mean? Because this person who has no reason to gas you up gave you their honest opinion. And their opinion is respected by lots of people. Um, And so when you sort of look at it objectively and just factually like that, it sort of makes that dance you do with yourself seem kind of silly, you know? I feel that 100%. And if I can gas you up more, like I'm (laughs) the biggest fan of your work and I'm proud of all the things that you've done and I'm excited to see all the beautiful things that you make in this world because it's like... Like you got power and as soon as like the world like sees it, like they feel it too. So there's no reason why you shouldn't feel it. Uh, I appreciate you very much. And uh, it's been, you know, incredible to to see you grow over, over the time that we've known each other as well. And uh, likewise, I I look forward to seeing um, what this space uh, affords you that you're carving out because um, you're, you're a special soul as well. Thank you. Where can people find you on the interwebs? Um, on Instagram, uh, I'm just uh, Trill Murray, T-R-I-L-L-M-U-R-R-A-Y. And then uh, my website is there too, but it's um, information research 
uh, information-research.net. Dope. Well, thank you, Rob. And thank you all for listening to Opening Presence. Mm-hmm.